Well, hello, everybody. Well, again, I want to welcome you. Um, everybody, it's kind of a weird long weekend where there's like a ton of people out of town, including the majority of our worship team and Pastor Brian. So that's why you get a whole lot of me today. So sorry about that. But we are starting a new uh, sermon series uh, this week. It's called Be Still, um, Slowing Down in a Busy World. And I think this is a, a great series for us now. I know that if you're like me, life gets chaotic, and we need to be reminded um, that we need to sometimes just be still, as Jesus has told us. So we're going to be looking today at a very familiar narrative um, where Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and a big storm comes, and Jesus uh, says, teaches us how to be still by calming this storm. Now, I was trying to think of an illustration of my life where I've been in some sort of chaos before, um, and then there's been some peace or calm that has come along with it. And so what I thought of was a few years ago, um, I was traveling with my family. My son was only eight months old, and we had this awesome opportunity to travel over to uh, Europe. And so I was with my wife and my sister and Lee and my her, that's her fiance, sorry. Um, and my, my parents, and it was just a good time. And we were in Paris, and so we didn't know of any allergies that Brayden had yet. So um, we gave him some chocolate mousse, because that's what you do when you're in Paris, you eat chocolate mousse. So we gave him a little bite of chocolate mousse, but then all of a sudden he started having an allergic reaction. First one, he had never had one before. And so his face starts swelling, his, you can see him like kind of scratching his throat, and so chaos comes, right? So. Jordy's crying, of course, and then I get up and I run. I run out to the streets of Paris, like, for whatever reason. I don't know. I was, like, looking for a pharmacy or something like that to get, you know, some sort of medicine or looking for a doctor on the street. I was getting nowhere. I was just running down the streets, and I come running back, and my mom's sitting there, like, all calm or whatever, and she's just chopping up a little uh, adult Benadryl, and she just gives it to him, and, you know, he eats it, and he's fine in, like, five minutes. I was in utter, I mean, it was like I was in utter panic. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And so I just like tried to fix it myself when the whole time I should have known right in front of me is a nurse for over 30 years who has accompanied my sister who has a walking allergy for the past, you know, however long it's been. My sister's also, so she always has Benadryl on her. And if I would have just stopped for a second and like assessed the situation, if I was still for a moment and realized that everything was going to be okay because I have somebody here who's been through this before and knows what to do, I would have been, you know, saved myself a whole lot of heartache. And I think that's a good illustration of what we see here today and what we find often in our lives where we get involved in chaos. Somehow life gets busy and we just, it feels like we can't, like, rest. And sometimes we just need to stop. We need to be still. We need to have faith. Often in our lives, we'll find ourselves in a chaotic storm, a situation, a sickness, a financial crisis, a broken relationship. Any of this stuff sound familiar to you? When we feel like our peace has been disrupted, we often forget who the one in control is. Now, our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. Mark was not an apostle. Um, Mark uh, wrote this account based off a uh, eyewitness testimony from Peter. So this is Peter, uh, Peter's experience that Mark is writing down. And this narrative where Jesus calms the storm is also found in Matthew and Luke, Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8. But Mark's account is actually the most detailed. And so that's why we're going to look there today. Mark chapter 4, reading from verse 35. If you have your Bibles, hear the word of God. 
On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus speaking, let us go across to the other side. And just, uh, um, in leaving the crowd, they took him, Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And then they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This finishes the reading of God's word. So I want to break this down. I want to go verse by verse talking about this narrative because there's a lot of good stuff in here. And it starts with on that day. Now, I think he writes that because it's important for us to know what, you know, what was happening that day that made Jesus so tired. So he was teaching that day amongst multitudes, a crowd so large that he actually had to get into a boat and like go offshore a little bit so that he's able to address everybody. Okay, so he's teaching all day. He's teaching in parables. And then when he's done teaching all day, he comes back to wherever they were staying with the disciples and then was like breaking it down a little bit more for his disciples. He's like, you guys understand what I'm teaching in these parables? Do you know what I mean by sower, all this stuff? So again, he's teaching. So he's teaching all day. And then finally he says, guys, let's, let's leave this side of Capernaum and go over to uh, Gersonese. And so let's get in the boat and let's go. So it was Jesus's idea to take this little evening cruise um, over to the other side. And just so you have a, a, a picture in your head, this was not just like a tiny, tiny rowboat, and it wasn't like an ark. It was believed to be about a 27-foot boat, okay? So it's like kind of like a sailboat, and all the disciples could be in there, and there was a place where he could go under it. And he was like so exhausted that he immediately fell asleep. Now, they're on the Sea of Galilee, right? And so the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world as far as um, altitude. It's 700 feet below altitude, And so because it's below altitude and because there's uh, hills and there's uh, mountains that surround this sea, uh, wind currents come in really quickly and they cross paths and they're going in and out and it creates these big storms. And so what's happening on the Sea of Galilee is all of a sudden this nasty, giant, fierce windstorm, a great windstorm comes upon them. And it says, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling this must have been a pretty large storm because remember, a lot of these guys, these disciples, were fishermen, experienced fishermen and boatsmen. So they would know what to do. They'd probably been in many storms before in their life, but this one was scary. This one freaked them out. And it was at night, which makes it even scarier. And so terrified, the disciples cry out to the sleeping Jesus and basically say, you're sleeping? Really? Why don't you care about us, Jesus? We're going to die, and you're just going to sleep? They're panicked, and they really feel fear for their lives. And so they say, I, I, don't, I don't understand why you're sleeping. You're just going to let us die? And to be honest, it's a normal reaction before we judge these guys too harshly. I mean, when chaos is around, it's like, are you serious? And sometimes we say, why, Lord? What are you doing? Do you not care that I am suffering? Do you not care that this situation is affecting my family? Do you not care? Do you not care about me, Lord? Why is this happening to me? Sounds familiar? And so that's where the disciples were. They're like, I don't know what's going on. 
And even though Jesus had proven himself to be the great deliverer time after time, storm after storm, we still find it easy, we still find it easy to question his motives, to question his love, and to, que- to question if he's really in control. But let's remember these disciples were, some of them were probably expert sailors and fishermen. They knew what to do with a storm, but who do they turn to as the boat's filling up? A carpenter. So while their faith is small, it's there a little bit. Is there a bug on me? Jeez. Once again, once again, I find myself in a chaotic situation, and my mom, my mom takes care of it for me. Way to go, mom. Okay. So they turn to their sleeping carpenter, but they believe that if anything is going to stop this storm, maybe it's Jesus. So they stop and they, they, they wake him up. And just a side note, this is the only uh, portion in script, Scripture where it's noted that Jesus was sleeping. Just for what it's worth. And so Jesus woke up. Jesus woke up, and it says, He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Okay, we've read this story so many times. We've heard this story so many times, but can we really try to picture it for a second? Like a hurricane. The boat is filling, filling with water. You've seen images of hurricanes, you know, especially down here. You see what those nasty winds can do. Topple over buildings. And so they are frightened. They're scared for their life. And Jesus just goes, stop. The sea turns to glass. It's beautiful. Everything stops immediately. It doesn't like slow down or anything. It says there was a great calm. Can you imagine that? It's like this, stop. And that's what Jesus does. And the word that says he rebuked the wind is the same word he used to cast out a demon just a little bit before that. <clears throat> and it's actually translated to be muzzled. Shut it. Not another sound. And that's what Jesus tells the earth right there. And it obeyed them, obeyed him. In the midst of the greatest storm that these disciples probably had ever found themselves in, Jesus supernaturally calms it. He stops it. He supernaturally provides a peace right there, a peace that these disciples don't even understand. And then Jesus addresses his disciples very lovingly, and he said, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And while this is divinely deep in its exegetical theology, this, this part right here, it's also kind of funny because Jesus goes, why are you scared? And they're probably like, uh, did you not just see that hurricane that was about to kill us? And then you just stopped it? Why do you think we're scared? And Jesus is like, why, why are you scared, bro? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Trials and difficulties, chaos, 
the storms that you're going to find in your life, I believe are scheduled divine appointments to strengthen your faith. And that was happening here. His point was, you don't have faith in me. And keep in mind, Jesus, this is Jesus' idea. You don't think he, know, he knew there was a storm coming? Jesus led them into a storm for the purpose of strengthening their faith. Faith was the point of this storm. And Jesus was showing these men that he will provide a supernatural peace in the midst of a storm. So faith, faith is one of those words we say a lot in church, but do we really grasp it? Do we understand what faith really means? So I was searching through scripture and Hebrews 11 gives a very good definition. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Paul writes about what it is to have faith in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Faith and peace. Your faith will bring peace. The peace that is provided by Christ through faith is unlike anything the world will offer you. What we mean by peace is, we know what peace is, right? When like everything's going our way, there's like no worries, right? Which is often not the case. And I was talking to my dad about this and we were talking about how the world provides peace. And it's all kind of just distractions. It's like, peace, what do, okay, I'm, I'm feeling really unpeaceful, what do I need? I'll take a vacation. Or I need some peace and quiet, I'll, I'll go to a movie. And, or, you know, some, so entertainment, but sometimes it's bad things. Some, some, some people want to feel peace by feeling numb, so we turn to substances. But the thing is, with all those things that the world offers you for peace, is they all end, and you find yourself right back where you were in the first place. So peace, the, the peace that the world offers is a temporary distraction. What Jesus offers is a miraculous calming of the things that disturb the peace. And it's unlike anything this world will offer you. He says it himself in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. A commentator writes of these disciples, he says, these were men of little faith, that is, men who were too timid, too timid sufficiently to rely upon the comfort and confidence which they should have derived from the presence, promise, power, and love of their master. So it says, and they were filled, the disciples, with great fear after Jesus calms the storm and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, the word great is used three times in this short passage. A great storm, um, a, uh, sorry, 
Yeah, great storm, a great calm, and a great fear. So a great, and that, that word great is actually translated in Latin to mega. So a mega storm, and then all of a sudden a mega calm, and then the disciples were mega freaked out. That's basically what it is. The same word every time. I mean, they were scared when the storm was going on, but what really freaked them out was that Jesus could speak a storm out of existence. They were scared. They just witnessed something unlike anything that has ever happened to them before. And so it's just like you, when you're like encountering the unknown, you get scared. It's called xenophobia. Xenophobia. And xenophobia is the fear and distrust of that which is perceived to be foreign or strange. They were freaked out because they had never seen a man or any person do anything like that. Yeah, they had seen him turn water into wine. They had already seen him heal a bunch of people. They had seen him raise somebody from the dead. They would seen him do all these things, but this thing really freaked them out. They had already seen the power of Jesus, mainly in his healing, but this miracle was unlike the others. It frightened them. R.C. Sproul writes of this. In a word, what the disciples experienced on the Sea of Galilee that night was the holiness of Christ. They liked his power when they were in trouble, so they were quick to wake him when the boat seemed endangered. But when he showed them his power, they said to themselves, this is not common power. This is holy power. This man is different from every other person on the face of the earth. And finding themselves in the presence of the Holy One, they were consumed by fear. You see, God orchestrated this event in the lives of the apostles to increase their faith. He wanted to show them the power, so Jesus led them into that storm. Trials, tribulations, difficulties, desperate moments, these are the times where God does his greatest work in our lives. When we... When he brings us by means of a storm to our desperate end, where all we can do is cry to him for rescue, is when he strengthens your faith and works in your life. Again, what was Jesus' response to these guys when they woke him and he calmed the storm? He says, why don't you trust me? Right? In essence, that's what Jesus says. He says, why are you afraid? Why, why, don't you, he's, why don't you have faith? Why don't you trust me, guys? I think it's the same problem we have now. We, we find ourselves wherever we find ourselves. And if it's a storm, we try to f- figure out how to fix it or get distracted from it instead of Jesus saying, why don't you trust in me? Why don't you trust me? Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ to decide who no longer is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. The best part is it's not your doing. It's the gift of God. So that means you could have that. You might say, Pastor, I don't have faith. Well, good news for you is there's nothing you can really do to get it. It's a gift from God. You can ask him for it, that's for sure. And I pray that you do. For those who have faith in Jesus Christ, believe this. 
that Jesus, the Son of God, sacrificially thrusts himself into the greatest storm, the death on a cross, the separation from his Father, the Father, the Father, the weight of the sin of the world upon him, and he endured this storm and conquered the storm of death so that we may be still, have peace, and be saved. You know, I know that you think you might be in a big storm, and I'm not downplaying it. It might be a huge storm. But the storm that I pray that you never, ever find yourself in is the storm of enduring God's wrath, the storm of hell, the storm of being separated from the one who created you. That's the storm to avoid. And if you have faith in Christ, you believe that that storm has already been conquered, that that storm has been calmed. And so what do you do? You say, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ took on the storm so that I don't have to. And so now I'm free. I'm pardoned from my punishment. And whatever this world throws at me, I'm victorious because of Jesus Christ. Jesus calmed the only storm that could truly drown you, God's wrath. So why are you afraid? Have faith in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have endured this storm for us, that you've conquered sin, that you've conquered the enemy, and now we've been pardoned. We've been set free. Lord God, this is all amazing grace. And so I pray, Lord, that just like the disciples, when we find ourselves in a storm, that we would turn to you. And Lord, I pray, unlike the disciples, that we would have faith in you, that you were the only one who could calm the mighty storms that wage against us. Be with us now, Lord. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.